Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and today's show is part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living author interview series, and we have an excellent program about history, the Civil War, and the practice of medicine. You are going to want to hear this. Thank you so much for listening today. As I say, we've got a great guest today who, after reading her new book, I have been looking forward to for a while talking with, and I will introduce her in just a moment. But quickly, if you missed any episodes, last week was our 676th episode. (laughs) That's hard to say. And I spoke to Smithsonian Associate Jonathan Friedland, an award-winning author and Smithsonian Associate who's written the amazing, I mean, I tell you, this is an amazing book titled The Escape Artist. you got to check this out. Two weeks ago, I had another great conversation with author Lola Jay. Again, a wonderful author. Her new book is titled The Attic Child. Check that out. All wonderful stuff. If you missed those shows, along with any others, you can go back and check them out, along with my entire back catalog of shows, all free for you there, on our website, notold-better.com. And if you leave a review, we will read it at the end of each show. Please leave your reviews on Apple Podcasts for us. Thank you so much. Hey, that's Pete Seeger from Smithsonian Folkways singing in the background. The name of the song is Lincoln and Liberty. It's just to set the history and Civil War tone today. You know, at the start of the Civil War, the medical field in America was rudimentary, unsanitary, and woefully unprepared to address what would become the bloodiest conflict on U.S. soil. However, in this historic moment of pivotal social and political change, medicine was also fast evolving to meet the needs of the time. Unprecedented strides were made in the science of medicine. And as women and African Americans were admitted into the field for the first time, this only accelerated. The Civil War marked a revolution in healthcare, laying the foundations for the system that we know today. Drawing on her new book, Healing a Divided Nation, Carol Adrian, our guest today, talks about this remarkable and fierce transformation with us and its cultural and historical context illustrating for us today how the advancements made in these four years reverberated through the Western world for years to come. Smithsonian Associate Carol Adrian is an author and documentary filmmaker. Carol Adrian has served on advisory panels for the Philadelphia Archdiocese Historic Research Center and exhibitions on Civil War medicine and the 1918 flu epidemic for the Mutter Museum. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates, author interview series on radio and podcast, Smithsonian Associate Carol Adrian. Carol Adrian, welcome to the program. Thank you, Paul. I'm really delighted to be here, and and it's really quite an honor to be asked. Thank you. Well, and so kind of you to say that. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm looking forward to this to this interview. You will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates coming up. Um, our audience just loves history, and we're going to talk about Civil War history. We're going to talk about medicine and how it was practiced during the Civil War. But I just think our audience is going to love this. And um, why don't we start with a question about you just telling us what you're going to talk about briefly at your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation and how you'll use Zoom 
to engage our audience. I know a little bit about you. I'm going to put some links up so that our audience can learn more about you. But I watched the trailer from your documentary film. You're a documentary filmmaker. And I think the Zoom aspect of what you're going to be doing and and teaching us and talking about at Smithsonian Associates will probably be pretty cool. We're all we're all using Zoom these days. So maybe tell us a little bit about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation and Zoom and all of those things. Well, I'm really excited about it. And as, as you mentioned, I mean, I'm a filmmaker by trade and I do documentaries. Um, and the nice thing about doing a Zoom presentation is I, I like the lecture part, but being able to show images is something that I really love. And I work with so many historical graphics, photographs, paintings, drawings that have incredible texture and and drama to them, really. So I'm going to have dozens of them in the uh, in the Smithsonian presentation on the 30th, and so I'll be able to really give a a, a pictorial background to what I'm talking about. So that's something that really fascinates me. Yeah, I think it will be fascinating. Of course, you will be at Smithsonian Associates November 30th. That is just right around the corner. We will have links to where our audience can find out more about Carol's upcoming presentation, the title of which is Healing a Divided Nation, How the American Civil War Revolutionized Western Medicine. So let's let's jump into that. Why this book and this subject now, in particular, you know, civil war medicine, because I think that's a, that's a complex subject. There's so much to medicine, uh, you know, just, just the diseases themselves can go on and on and on, but maybe tell us what led you to write this book. Pure accident. (laughs) (laughs) My mom was a journalist and columnist for Philadelphia newspapers her entire career. And one night we were going to dinner and she mentioned to me that Philadelphia has more Civil War statuary than any city in the country. I couldn't stop thinking about that. And the next day, I was doing research at our main library, which is a pretty fantastic repository. And I thought, um, I was working with subscription databases for the project that I was working on at the time, which really had to do with music. So I started to, within those uh, databases, I started to Google Philadelphia Civil War, because I thought no battles were fought here. I knew that there were textile mills. I knew um, a little bit about that, but but really almost nothing about the war itself and, and why Philadelphia was such an integral part of it. So what came up when I entered those words, Philadelphia and Civil War, were, was that Philadelphia was the center of medicine of America at the time of the Civil War. Most of the doctors north and south trained here at University of Pennsylvania or Jefferson. It was it it was pivotal to what went on. And I couldn't the story was so far beyond the mere clinical aspects of medicine that I I couldn't let go of it. And to use an old fashioned word, I felt the story had been vouchsafed to me. And I can tell you that I was not enthusiastic at first. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, Civil War. I'm like, over my head, where's my science of music? <laughs> but it was so huge. And it 
it was interesting too in that it was a non-political aspect of the war, the medical aspect. The Civil War produced one million casualties. It produced more deaths than World Wars One, Two, and Vietnam combined. It was a huge, huge, and four-year-long epidemic of disease and violence. And the things that came out of it were not necessarily clinical. Many clinical things did evolve from that situation. But the overall far-reaching aspects of it were stunning to me. So I had no choice. I had to make a film. <laughs> I'm still working on it. And I was. it was interesting when I got the offer to do the book. Now, I spent more than four years researching primary source documents. I went through memoirs, letters, publications of the people who served and worked through that situation. And I felt that their stories were so important. They had, they had to be told. So, uh, but it, it also was a different picture of America and and a different picture of that war in that tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of people were involved in the medical aspect of the war. And, um, if I may read you a paragraph that kind of explains how I feel about that from my book, um, this story is an incredible example of Americans at their best. It is a story about human triumph over the devastation of war. Our country is presently in the process of reexamining our global reflection and America needs a reminder of our magnificent strengths and the inclusive kindness of our hearts right now. Healing a divided nation illustrates the stamina and diversity of Americans and the power of compassionate dedication. It demonstrates selfless contributions and noble behavior from a population working through a fog of grief. It is about heroism in the face of seemingly unending horror. I had to tell their story. That's beautiful. I love that. The fog of grief, the kindness of our hearts right now. It sounds like you're as much of a writer as your mom. I wonder, is your mom still, is she still uh, here and and helping you a little bit on on some of these projects? She's helping me on a spiritual level now. (laughs) Yes, I understand that. Yes, good, good. uh, But she really, um, well, she, I think she, encouraged she encouraged my bravery and it was i i was always i always got good grades in school with writing but it never occurred to me to do a serious book before so uh here we are <laughs> yeah well i you know again i i love this title because it, it does reference this notion of kindness in our hearts right now healing a divided nation how the american civil war revolutionized Western medicine, and you really do focus on the people aspect as opposed to the clinical aspect. You, you you mentioned you've gone beyond the clinical aspects of it. Maybe tell us some of the people stories and what you learned about the people and how how they did revolutionize Western medicine during this very difficult time in our country. They really did, and and 
their their effect the effect of their actions was so profound that I, I think it's really important for us to know. I think it's part of the American heritage, really, the the characteristics that propelled these incredible heroes. And and these were people from every aspect of life who participated in this. And um, if I may uh, read you another paragraph, I, mm, I feel please, like yeah. what I, I this, yeah. what I managed to write. <laughs> okay, I can kind of explain myself. Yeah, good. Um, good. The weight of the deadly effects of the war was borne by a powerful network of heroes, many of them surprising or unlikely. This is the story of their tenacity vision, courage, and skill. The marathon life-saving race featured a diverse group of dedicated participants, professional physicians, medical students, and neophyte volunteers. The movement was supported by empathetic leaders who championed some innovative solutions and a fiercely devoted citizenry that threw itself passionately into support for the sick and wounded. Compassion and care were wielded in a frequently bipartisan manner as the cast included men and women, black and white, northern and southern, all in shockingly new and demanding roles. This was a situation that changed. The the tectonic plates of caste really shifted in America with this because Society was forced to accept things it had not accepted here before. And women who were um, regarded with the domestic um, issues of subservience, politeness, piety, they were in the background. And when all this started to go down and virtually every family was affected by it, the women came out of the parlors and the kitchens into places they had never been welcomed or even allowed. And they said, this is as much a woman's war as it is a man's war. And they just appeared on the battlefields into the makeshift hospitals. They were not taking no for an answer. There's one interesting story about the Battle of Shiloh was one of the first really big devastating ones. Mm-hmm. And 40 women yeah, yeah. Um, women from the Confederacy volunteered to go and help in these makeshift hospitals, and they they took a train. and And women really didn't travel without a companion at the, at that point in time, but they showed up at the hospitals. And the first one, they were turned away by the doctor who was the head of the hospital, and he said, "No more women or flies will be admitted." And despite the desperate need, he refused that he refused their help. So they proceeded to the next one, and and you get the first African American medical doctors because we had to have them. You know, there came a point where people who had been forbidden to learn to read had to be allowed to attain these skills and. and a lot of African-Americans who wanted to study medicine wound up going to Canada where they were welcomed in medical schools. And um, Dr. Alexander Thomas Augusta is my favorite where he was freeborn in Virginia 
He really, he always wanted to be a healer, but he, the laws for forbidding people of color to learn to read were really strict. And they affected not only people of color, but the masters of enslaved people were threatened with severe punishment if they allowed the slaves to learn to read. I mean, literacy appears through this thing like a barrier and a, and a bridge. I, I was stunned by the effect of that. And, and, you know, you think about countries where women are not encouraged or permitted to learn to read. I mean, we still have vestiges of that in the world. So the, the obstacles that some of these people had to overcome just to be able to help um, well, Dr. Augusta wrote a letter from Canada to President Lincoln, and he felt that he really wanted to contribute to the effort. And he felt that as a representative of people of color and a medical doctor, that he would be, you know, he wanted to volunteer. And he really had to jump through some awful hoops to do it. I, I tell his longer story in, in the book. But um, he served. He became the first, um, the first black instructor in a medical school at Howard University. He he just many firsts. But the obstacles he had to vault over or knock down were seemingly insurmountable. I mean, it was amazing. So many people really had to sneak around to, you know, learn to read secretly. So, uh, so those people just spoke to my heart and, uh, and it changed everything for women in America and for African Americans in America. Hi, it's Paul. Do you love entertaining, informative, eclectic, insightful programs about culture, health, science, life, and everything Smithsonian? As part of our Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, we're introducing you to the new Smithsonian Associates streaming series. Smithsonian, a nonprofit organization, is excited to present this new aspect of their 55 years as the world's largest museum-based educational program. Join us from the comfort of your home as we periodically interview Smithsonian Associate guest speakers. Our audience here on radio and podcast can explore our website for more information, links, and details at notold-better.com. Thanks, everybody. As part of our Smithsonian Associates interview series, we are with Carol Adrian. Carol Adrian will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates coming up Wednesday, November 30th. We will put links in our show notes today about Carol Adrian, her work. She is a documentary filmmaker as well as an author. She's written the new book, Healing a Divided Nation. And we're talking to her today about Healing a Divided Nation, how the American Civil War revolutionized Western medicine, among other things. Carol, you talk a little bit about Philadelphia and Pennsylvania as being uh, kind of the place where medical professionals were being trained. How were they being trained during these times? I can't imagine that there was a great deal of thought into anything other than just kind of field medicine, but maybe maybe there was. Maybe you learned surgery uh, in ways that uh, were a little bit more um, uh, book-oriented than just kind of 
training by doing, and that might be kind of the field medicine part of this. But maybe tell us where they were trained to in Philadelphia, because I think I think Philadelphia had the very first, or maybe Pennsylvania had the very first medical school in the country too. Who was doing the training and I guess it was kind of all comers, but maybe talk to us a little bit about medical professionals during those days and how they were trained. Sure. Well, it, I always refer to this period as the Wild West of American medicine because <laughs> you did not need a degree. You could call yourself a physician and you were good to go. Now, um, at the time, of this, just to give you an idea of how how the what the landscape was like at the time of the civil war, it is estimated that possibly 300 doctors in the entire country had ever witnessed surgery or seen a gunshot wound. This is foreign. There were no real examining boards. Now the university of Pennsylvania opened the first medical school uh, in the country, and Jefferson was also extant at the time of the Civil War, but you you still did not need that that piece of paper. And in America, you trained for two years rather than the European requisite of four years. And most schools did not have um, a hospital attached. Most hospitals in America at that time were really um, they grew from almshouses. So they might have been eight or ten beds, and they were where you went to die. They were not mm-hmm. where you went for treatment. So in alms for the was, poor. Exactly. That, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The largest hospital, uh, it's thought in America at the time of the Civil War, was in uh, a military hospital in Kansas with forty beds. Huge, right? So, um, <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. My goodness. Forty so beds. Is- it was. It was pretty wild, but um, it how it worked was with um, with the schools that did exist. You bought tickets for lectures in midwifery, poulticing, um, you know, diagnosing, and usually the second year was a repeat of the first, and and then. At the end of your second year, a, a board of the faculty would question you and decide whether to confer an MD degree upon you or not. But there really were no, this is before the American Medical Association or any other examining board that really qualified you to to practice medicine. So it was pretty loose. And an awful lot of people, probably more than the actual medical students, learned from fathers or husbands or people who served as physicians all over the country. So it really, it was an extremely loose situation. And there weren't that many doctors in in the army. There were, I think, 123 doctors in the Union Army and fewer than that in the Confederacy when the war started. And those numbers ballooned. By the end of the war, there were 12,000 in the union, but, um, they were learning on the job and they were literally sometimes operating with a book in one hand. You imagine, I mean, somebody holding candles or a torch so you could see what you were doing and you're checking the diagrams in a book. Um, so, uh, it was, it was a very catch as catch can situation. 
connection with the training. You mentioned physicians and medical professionals in the north and then those in the south. Was there any – if you were injured on the battlefield as a southerner, was there any opportunity be, to be treated by a northern physician? We we always think of medical care as being you know, somewhat agnostic, but, but was it? In the field of battle, one one of the things that really drew me to this was again it it was a nonpartisan situation, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that they really tried hard on both sides. I mean, when you think about it, Gettysburg, which had uh, I think fifty three thousand casualties, and when the Southerners retreated, they left five thousand wounded Confederates lying on the field. So the Union treated them. Uh, uh, as best they could. And I've read so many things from prison hospitals in the South where they would parole anybody um, of the prisoners from the North who were doctors to, you know, to function as physicians. It was, I, I think if there was any aspect of that war where the partisanship really melted, it was the medical mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. of it. That's a fascinating part of this story. Well, Carol Adrian, we know you're very busy. We sure appreciate your time. This is going to be a fascinating presentation. I just have one final question for you. I wondered if you just tell us a little bit about some of the innovations and advancements that that transformed the Civil War years that led to even more transformative medicine beyond that. Oh, definitely. Um, well, I think the, the four things that come to my mind as, as the most important changes is that war signaled the end of slavery in America. It introduced skilled, trained nursing, which had never been here in America, it had never been available in, Amer- in America. It introduced ambulance service, again, brand new. The field of neurology emerged from all those wounds and all those nerve injuries. Um, if I can read you one more explanation, I, I know there's so much that comes out of that war of, of a good nature in, in medicine, but here's this was my feeling about it. Like the killing power of weapons, medical science has soared in many ways. No subsequent war has taken the lives of as many Americans as a result of improved medical education, advanced surgical techniques, the understanding of neurology, and faster evacuation of the wounded. Women and African Americans have achieved prominent roles in medical science and society. The terms of the Geneva Convention still seek to protect medics and the wounded in times of war. The American Red Cross and the International Committee of the Red Cross have grown to provide emergency relief for a myriad of natural and man-made disasters. These profound human achievements, as well as the record of the hideous carnage, are the legacies of the American Civil War. Wow. That is wonderful. It's been so nice to talk to you, and thank you for reading from the book, too. That's a real treat, and it was especially interesting to have it you know, as part of this because I think it gives us a glimpse into the book, which uh, is, just sounds wonderful. Again, Carol Adrian has been our guest today, and uh, her new book, Healing a Divided Nation, is available. We will put links to where our audience can find out more information about Carol, her upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, where to get her new book, all of these uh, bits of information about 
the work that Carol Adrian does. And we're so thankful for your time today. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you coming up, though, on November 30th. Look for um, Carol Adrian's information and... Uh, I just can't recommend this enough, but thanks so much for your time, Carol. We'll, we'll just look forward to having oh, you back as you can talk you. more. Yes, absolutely. I will look forward to that. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> My thanks to Carol Adrian, who will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates coming up. Please check out our show notes from today for more details about Smithsonian Associates featuring author, filmmaker, and Smithsonian Associate Carol Adrian. We are grateful for Ms. Adrian's time and her generous reading. Again, the title of Carol Adrian's book is Healing a Divided Nation. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. And my thanks to you, my wonderful, not old, better show audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well and be safe, which I am telling you each show followed by the message to eliminate assault rifles. Only members of the military use these weapons. Assault rifles are killing our children and grandchildren in the very places they learn. School. Let's do better. Let's talk about better. The Not Old, Better Show, Smithsonian Associates, Art of Living Author Interview Series on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week. Today's show was edited for length. To hear the full interview, please check out our website for this episode and all episodes at notold-better.com or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and be sure to leave a five-star review or comment wherever you get your podcasts. Our Twitter feed is Not Old Better, and we're on Instagram at Not Old Better too. The Not Old Better Show is a production of NOBS Studios. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and I hope you'll join me again next time to talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. Freedom preferring for Lincoln and Liberty, too. We'll go for the son of Kentucky, the hero of Hoosierdom through. The pride of the sucker so lucky for Lincoln and Liberty, too.